Dr. Graham had a dream of um, being a pro baseball player, and <clears throat> that dream was overtaken by a greater dream. And the greater dream meant that he would have to give away this dream of pro baseball. But the greater dream meant that instead of just entertaining people on a baseball field, that he would actually be serving people by being their doctor. And so he, he just gives it away. And you could say that he, he uh, gave away the, the flesh's dream for the spirit's dream. You could say that he, uh, he gives this dream up to pursue a greater dream. And he didn't regret it. I mean, he's, I love that last line, like, if I had only got to be a doctor for five minutes, now that would have been a real tragedy. And <clears throat> the reason that I show you this clip tonight is we're going to talk about dreams. We're going to talk about uh, our calling that God has on our life. Sometimes we want something, but God doesn't necessarily want that for us. Sometimes it's just us. And sometimes God has a dream for us, a plan for us, that we don't necessarily want. And so we're going to talk about how to reconcile this and how to work this out because I think a lot of us find ourselves in this situation. Have you ever, have you ever been afraid that God might call you to do something that you don't want to do? Have you ever been afraid like, oh, what if God calls me to be a missionary in Africa? I don't want to go to Africa. I don't want to be a missionary. What if God calls me to never be married? Oh, no. You know, God, please don't let that happen. God, Jesus, please don't come back before I get married and get to have sex. Anybody ever think that? Was it just me? Okay. Thankfully, my dream came true. But, but uh, I, I want to pray. I want to pray because uh, I believe that God wants to speak to you tonight. I believe that he wants to show you things about his plans for you. So let's pray one more time. Father, we come to you and we're willing to hear what you have to say. Lord, we're willing to surrender to you and totally to your plan and your purposes for our lives. I pray that you would speak to us, show us your plan, show us how to let go of what we want, instead take up what you want. Lord, we're listening. We want to know you, and we want to know your ways. We ask you to speak to us tonight, and we put our hearts in the right place. We have faith that you want to teach us your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> there's different types of dreams in our life. There's our dreams, and there's God's dreams. Which one are we going to choose? This is one of the greatest conflicts that we have in life. Um, <clears throat> again, what if God calls us to do something that we don't want to do? Even Jesus was afraid of God's will for a, for a time, for a moment. And he exemplified this in, in the most ultimate way when he's in a garden the night before he was going to be arrested, tortured, and ultimately crucified for us. But he was anticipating that, and it was, it was such a painful experience for him thinking about what he had to go through that his sweat becomes like drops of blood. And he says, Father, if there is any way that this cup could pass from me, let it pass, but nevertheless, and that's a powerful word, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so even Jesus has to surrender his will to the Father's will. 
I mean, think about that. Even the Son of God, it says, say, not my will be done, but yours be done. And that is the ultimate example that he set for us. Uh, Do you think that he regretted his decision? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do you think that now, after going through what he went through, that he ever was, "Ah, I wish I hadn't gone through all that pain? No, it says that he endured that. He despised the shame. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He knew that there was a greater joy, like there was a greater purpose to what he had to do. And so for us, it's the same way. There is a joy that is out there when we surrender our will for God's will. There is a greater purpose. And once we surrender our will to God's will, we will not regret it. We will not ever wish, man, I I, I wish I hadn't done that. That was just too painful. So what is God's dream for us? First, it starts with knowing him. That's God's dream for us. It starts with us knowing him. Knowing him leads to loving him. Loving him leads to serving him. This is how it works. He doesn't, um, we don't just jump right in. We know him. Knowing him leads to loving him. Loving him leads to following him. We follow him just like uh, getting to know him more. And following him, begin to love him. We begin to learn how to serve him. And when his dreams kind of um, intermingle with our dreams. They kind of connect with each other. And if we will surrender everything to him, then eventually our dreams will become his dreams. His dreams will become our dreams. He wants to give us the desires of our hearts. Now, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus tells us how, how do we follow him. How do we follow Jesus? Okay, Matthew chapter 16, he tells us how to follow him. He says, he told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So he's telling us how we can follow him. If, you're strugg- if you ever struggle, how do I follow Jesus? Do I just go to church? Do I just you know, sing some worship songs? Do I hear what the pastor is teaching? Maybe go to a small group. Maybe get involved a little bit more. Maybe I serve and help clean up, put up some chairs. How exactly do I follow Jesus? Jesus lays it out here really simple. Deny ourselves, carry our cross, lose our lives. Now these all three sound really intense. And they don't really sound that pleasurable, do they? They don't really sound all that fun. The truth is, it's not easy, but it is the secret to discovering our destiny. This is the main secret to figuring out what God's calling on our life is. If I hold on to my life, I end up losing it. I end up never really finding it if I try to hold on to it all to myself. But if I give my life away, that is when I actually find my life. That's when I find my purpose. That's when I find my destiny is when I give it completely over to him. Some of us have a really hard time with this. Again, what if God leads me to do something that I don't want to do? What if God tells me to go somewhere I don't want to go or be with somebody that I don't want to be with? This can be scary. This can be intimidating. This is like, what, what, what if God leads me to a life where I'm not going to have any fun? Well, 
We'll get there in a second. But if we try to hold on to that, well, no, I can't do that because I'm going to hold on to this fun. I'm going to hold on uh, to, to what I want because I, I think that I have a better idea of what I want than what God wants. We try to hold on to that. And we grip it so tight, it slips right through our fingers, and we end up losing it. We lose our purpose. If we live for ourselves, then we live with no purpose. No God-given destiny if we live for ourselves. Now, Jesus had a conversation with a young man that uh, the Bible calls the rich young ruler. And this guy was struggling with this very same thing because he comes to Jesus and he's, Lord, what can I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you need to follow the commandments. And he's like, I've followed all the commandments since I was a young boy, so I'm good there. And Jesus said, there's this one thing that you still need to do. Go, sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And he walked away sad because he was very rich and he just couldn't do it. He wanted his way more than he wanted God's way. Now, he wanted eternal life, which is what we all want, right? Like, we all want to go to heaven, but what happens between now and when we go to heaven? What happens between this point we're at now and and when we die? Because when we die, we all want to go to heaven. We all want eternal life, but what happens until we get to that point? Are we going to live life our way? Are we going to live life God's way? See, the rich young ruler, he wanted the payoff, but he didn't want the process of following Jesus. He wanted the payoff, which is what we all want. We all want the payoff. Let's be honest with ourselves. But do we want the process? Do we want to give in to the process of following Jesus? Because there is a cost. And shame on any preacher that gets up and makes it sound like it's easy to follow Jesus. Because Jesus never said it was easy. Those are the words that he used. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Lose your life. Jesus said, to, he was very hard on people that said, I want to follow you. He says, well, look, uh, even the birds have nests. Even the foxes have holes. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He was basically saying, I'm homeless. Are you okay with that? You want to follow me? I'm just telling you, I don't have a home. I don't have a place that I lay my head at night. I travel. I I minister to people. I'm on a mission. I'm going places. I just stay wherever. Are you okay with that? Another guy says, "Uh, I I, want to follow you. Let me first go back and bury my father. Jesus says, no. Let the dead bury their own dead. You go and serve the kingdom of God. (laughs) He has high standards. And he doesn't beg us to follow him. He says, follow me or not. He will not have any lukewarm believers. Either be hot or be cold. Either be all in or all out. You make the choice. Now, a lot of times we can be like this rich young ruler, can't we? We want the payoff, but we don't want the process. We're afraid that God is going to ask us to do the hardest thing that we can think of. Is that, is that the reason that sometimes we keep Jesus at arm's length? Is that, is that the reason that we don't go all in and that we don't press in? Because 
if we press in more to God, we're afraid of what he might call us to do? That's interesting. Think about that. Maybe we don't press in because we know that there's so much more and we're afraid of it. Now, here's where the good news comes in. Very good news. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. The Apostle Paul says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I'm going to read it again. Listen carefully. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Does God want you to work for him? Absolutely. But God wants you to want to work for him too. He works in you. He's working in your heart. And the more time that we spend with him, not only will we work for him, but we will will to work for him. We will want to work for him because the more time we spend with him, the more we want to become like him, the more his desires and our desires kind of fuse together and become one. And all of a sudden, we don't really want what we want anymore. We want what God wants. Only God can transform our hearts so that we will want to serve him. Now, going back to the movie, The Field of Dreams, uh, what happens next is he and Terrence Mann, his friend, his new friend, they, they know that Doc Graham decided not to go with him, so they load up in their VW bus, and they head back to Iowa. Ray's wife had called and said, the bank is going to take the farm, and you need to come home. And he says, we're coming home. And so uh, along the way, they see a young man walking along the highway, hitchhiker, and so they said, you know what? It can't hurt. So they stop to pick this young man up. Turns out he's a baseball player, and, he, and he's looking for a place to, pe- to play baseball. And they say, well, it's your lucky day because we're going to a place where you can play baseball. And he says, Ray says, hi, my name is Ray, and, and this is Terrence. And the young man says, oh, my name is Archie, Archie Graham. So something supernatural happens once again. It's a young Moonlight Graham that they just happened to run into on the road. And uh, they take him back to Iowa. They take him back to the Field of Dreams. And this time, when they show up at the field, it's not just Shoeless Joe Jackson that's on the baseball field. Shoeless Joe brought a whole bunch of old baseball players out of the corn, wherever they came from. And now there's a bunch of players out there. And, and Archie Graham, Moonlight Graham, actually gets to play with him. And he actually gets to accomplish his dream, and he goes up to the plate, and he gives the, the, the pitcher a wink, and uh, you'll have to watch the movie because we're not going to go into that scene, but uh, he gets to accomplish his dream. But then something amazing happens. Is your dream just about you, or is it bigger than you? Ray doesn't get to go into the corn, sad. But r- there's something bigger for Ray. Ray has another purpose And we're going to go into that next week. So you have to wait and find out what it is if you haven't seen the movie. But is your dream just about you or is it bigger than you? In uh, Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life, he wrote it several years ago. It sold a few copies, like 33 million copies. And Purpose Driven Life, the first line of the book is, it's not about you. Like, that's how he starts this book about how to find your purpose. 
It's not about you. There is something greater than just you. There is a, a, God's dream is bigger than just you, but you can be a part of it and you can accomplish something bigger than yourself when you surrender to God's will. I love how Dr. Graham comes across and he would rather save a girl's life than continue to play baseball, which is his dream. His, his dream was about saving lives. And I think God's dream is about saving lives. And I think that sometimes we're stuck on the baseball field. Like we want to play. We want to have fun. But Doc Graham, he, he surrendered his fun dream for a meaningful dream, a purposeful dream. And I love that. And, I, and I, that's the way that I want to be. Because God has such a big dream for us, but it's not just so that I can get mine. It's not so that I can just uh, make sure that I have the, the most comfy life imaginable. Like, I want to be used by God. And I think that you guys too, you guys do too, you want to be used by God to make a difference to eternity. Our lives are just this short little blip, but we're going to live forever. Millions and billions and trillions of years are going to go by, and it's just going to be a drop in the bucket. We're going to, st- we're going to still live in eternity. And all the stuff that we can, all the possessions that we could gain, we can't take any of that with us to heaven. But the only thing that goes to heaven are souls. People go to heaven. And I think this is what God's purpose for our life is, is to help people, to serve God by serving people by loving people. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. But the second greatest commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. This is what God's dream for our lives is. It's love God and love people. One of the most idolatrous things that we can do is just to live life our way. We think sometimes that we know what's best for us. Can you imagine how foolish that sounds? That we think that we know what's best for us? God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so we need to humble ourselves. We need to realize how small that we are and let go of all of our pride and say, God, without you, my life has no meaning. It has no purpose. Jesus said that he is the vine and we are the branches. If we're not connected to him, we dry up and we get withered. How many people do you know? It's not hard to think about the people in your life who are dry, who are withered. Maybe you have felt like that at different times in your life. Maybe you feel like that now. Like you're just not connected to God. You're not connected to his purpose for your life. And you're feeling very brittle, very dry, like you could just be picked up and snapped. But you know what? You're supposed to be connected to God. And when you're connected to the vine, you've got that life flowing through you. You're green. You're flexible. You're strong. The enemy tries to break you, but he can't. He can just bend you just a little bit. But you don't break because you're, you're so flexible because you got that life of Jesus flowing through you. God's plan for our life is exactly what we would choose if we had all the facts. Just think about that the next time you're tempted to go your own way. God's plan for your life is the same path that you would choose if you knew everything that God knew. 
God knows everything. And sometimes we rebel. Sometimes we go off the path and we go our own way. But if we knew all that God knows, we would never drift from the path. But sometimes we just take our life in our own hands. Sometimes we would never say it out loud, but sometimes we believe that we know better than God. And we are going to go our own way. And that is what we have to change. I, uh, I love the story in John chapter 4 when Jesus goes to this well. And the story is that he had been traveling. He had been trying to get through the country. Long day of traveling. He's tired. The Bible says he was weary from his journey. They were hungry. So all the disciples go into a nearby town to get some food. And Jesus is by himself at a well. He's hungry. He's tired. He's been traveling all day. And a woman comes up to the well to draw water, and Jesus has a choice. And I've been there so many times. You guys have been there. You sense that God's calling you to do something. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. You just, it won't let go. It won't stop bothering you. Talk to that person. Do this for me. Holy Spirit is leading you to do something, but your flesh doesn't want you to. And Jesus told Peter, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You have a spirit. You are a spirit. And when you give your life to Christ, his spirit comes in and lives in your spirit. And they fellowship together. And so the spirit of God changes your spirit. He begins to transform your spirit. He begins to change your way of thinking. But you have a flesh. You have a flesh, and the flesh has these, all these lusts and all this pride, and it wants to do its own thing, and it doesn't want to do what the Spirit of God wants. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Jesus is at this well, and yes, he had a flesh. Yes, he had these temptations. He was tempted in every single way that we are. But something inside of him ministered to this lady. And so he uses this opportunity, he uses this well as like an object lesson. And he begins to tell her that he can give her living water, and she'll never go thirsty again. And she's like, give me this water. And he ministers to her, and he tells her who he really is. And in fact, she goes back to her village, and she gets all the people in her village. She says, come out, and you've got to meet this man who's told me everything I ever did. You've got to meet him. And the disciples come back at right about the same time, and they've got their food. They've got the food, and they're like happy with themselves, like, Jesus, we brought you some food. You're going to finally get to eat. It's been a long day. And he says, guys, I have food to eat that you don't even know about. And they're like, did somebody give him something to eat? He goes, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. I love that. That is his food. In other words, there's something greater that can fulfill us than just what our flesh can do, right? There is something greater than food. There is something greater than money. There is something greater than entertainment. There is something greater than possessions. There is something greater than what the opposite sex can provide you. There is something greater than all of that. God wants to fulfill us. His food, our food, is to do the will of the Father. And if you are looking for fulfillment, because you're feeling very unfulfilled, very unsatisfied, do the will of God. Do the will of your Father. Give away your dream 
and accept his dream. And he's not going to make you miserable. In fact, over time, when you obey God and when you do what he calls you to do, you're like, there's nothing else I'd rather do. There's nowhere else I'd rather be than right in the middle of God's will. I've never felt joy like this. I've never felt peace like this. That is something that only God can provide. Lay your life down. Deny yourself. Deny your plans. Give in totally to him. Give yourself away and see what God will give you in return. You will not be disappointed. I want to leave you with three next steps. You say, where do I go from here? Where do I start? What do I do next? I'm going to give you three next steps. They're very simple. Number one is humble yourself. If you're prideful and you don't listen to anybody else, there's a good chance, in the, good chance that you don't listen to God. If you don't ask God for help, there's a good chance you're not going to listen if God were to tell you how he can help you. So humble yourself. Without him, we're nothing. We're disconnected, we're dry, we're brittle. We've got to connect with him. We've got to humble ourselves, say, God, not my will, but your will be done. If you are the center of your universe, you'll never be happy, you'll never be fulfilled, and you won't find your calling. Number two, get to know God. Get to know God. Knowing God leads to loving God. Loving God leads to following God. Following God leads to carrying your cross, finding out what your specific calling is. The greatest secret into finding your calling, I know you guys are wondering, what has God called me to do with my life? You might have a picture of it, but you're looking for more. What has God called me to do? If you try to find your life, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for him, then you'll find it. That's number three. Give your life away. Give your life away if you want to find it. Denying yourself comes before taking up your cross. So give your life away. God's going to show you what cross you're supposed to carry. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for what you have taught us. Thank you for your word and the scripture and the example that you set before us. I love uh, just reading about you, how you ministered to the woman at the well, how you taught us how to deny ourselves and take up our cross. Lord, you're the model that we want to follow our lives after. And I pray for the grace and the strength to do your will. I pray that your dreams would become our dreams. Lord, we surrender our plans. We, sur we surrender all of our lives to you. And we ask you to take over. Be the Lord over everything, every area of our life. Let there not be one thing that we're holding on to. We surrender it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I've got just two um, short questions that we're going to do table talk.